With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time to fade the chalk. Fade the chalk. Presented by the FTN Network. Helping you win your fantasy leagues and dominate in DFS. And now, here are your hosts, Derek Brown and Adam Pfeiffer. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Fade the Chalk podcast brought to you by the FTN Network. I'm your host, Ebro, and writing with me, as always, is Adam Pfeiffer, my co-host. Look, it's week one. The main slate is in the rear. I am jazzed, man. Adam, what's going on, dude? What'd you think about week one? Yeah, week one was very interesting. Um, I thought in all, I thought there was going to be a lot of rust, a lot of penalties, a lot of sloppy play, and I didn't really get that vibe for, for much of the for, for much of the day on Sunday, despite not having the preseason and stuff. Um, of course, there were a handful of injuries that we're going to touch on on the waiver wire, but yeah, it's uh, it's good to have football back. I didn't have the greatest week, personally, because I had a lot of Mark Ingram, and, you know, that didn't help, but uh, all in all, I I feel like we hit on a lot, and as long as we're hitting on more than we miss, then that's a good day for us, but I'm just glad football's back. Same, man. Yeah, I thought week one was a good week, honestly. Like, I think we we definitely hit on a lot more than we missed. Uh, John Brown coming through as the leading target getter, touchdown getter for the Bills, you got to love it when you see all the Calvin Ridley stands just shaking in their boots about it. He won't be Chris Godwin. And he goes out there and he catches both touchdowns and has a great game for the Falcons. So all in all, I thought it was a good week, uh, especially for us. A lot of our calls that we hit on the game by game. So everybody needs to be tuning into that as well again for this week. Because DFS, we got so much right, man. MBS smashed at one, less than 1%. Yeah, did you see the, so, the tweet um, we got? Yeah, I saw that out on Twitter. Somebody uh took what the twenty fourth in the uh in a free roll in the Millie won four K based off of uh our call for the Green Bay Packers and Viking stack. Yeah, that was that was big time and uh you know literally the first thing like okay, am I breaking ground when I said to play Devontae Adams? No, he's the best receiver in the NFL or yep. or close to it and you know, everybody's gonna want to play Devontae Adams. But the first thing I looked at when I looked at the slate for week one, I was like, oh my god, Devontae Adams against these corners. And it was just an absolute mismatch from the get-go. So, yeah, that guy's good at football, and he's probably going to be the wide receiver one the rest of the way. Uh, so, enjoy it. He's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his target share is going to be immense. I mean, we've talked all off season about how Adams was the wide receiver one. You were super high on Thielen to see him catch two tutties. Was very, very validating as well, but... Before we get rolling on this, so we're Adam and I are going to touch on 
as every the kicking off every single week, we're going to touch on the top ten waiver wire ads for walking into before you get to week two. Before we get rolling with any waiver wire stuff, one, we got to hit some news, and two, we have definitely got to mention the Kenny Galladay signed mini helmet. Still giving that away. Two easy steps to get in there to win. So RT the pin tweet over at Chalkfade on Twitter and rate and review the podcast on iTunes. We are getting a ton of reviews every single day. People just dropping them in the DMs for the Twitter handle. So once we get to 100, we're going to give this bad boy away. So get follow the Twitter handle. Get ready. Get entered to win this because it is beautiful. I have it in my possession, and I'm ready to send it out as soon as we hit 100. So, Adam, uh, what, what do we have here for news before we get to waivers? Yeah, there's obviously a handful of injuries, um, and we got news. You know, It's actually a good thing. We didn't do the podcast, you know, an hour ago because we'd be behind the eight ball, but we have some news, man. I mean, we saw Marlon Mack, obviously. That was the first kind of big, um, you know, landscape-changing injury from the week where Marlon Mack was really off to a great start against Jacksonville like a lot of people projected, and then... You know, comes out with an ankle injury, and it was almost immediately gets rolled out of the game, and the initial fear was a torn Achilles, and that is the case. So Marlon Mack will miss the rest of the season with a torn Achilles, and I understand everybody's excited about Jonathan Taylor, and we'll talk about him and Naheem Hines, obviously, but I just, listen, I hate watching players get hurt. I hate it. I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. Especially Marlon Mack, who, you know, I like, I think is a good player, and is, you know, in the final year of his contract. It's just, it sucks. Um, But, you know, they, they... they do have plenty of insurance with Naheem Hines and Jonathan Taylor, but Marlon Mack will miss the rest of the season. Uh, and then we saw Blake Jarwin with a non-contact injury. The initial fear was those three awful letters, ACL, and that is confirmed. So Blake Jarwin, a torn ACL for Dallas. Uh, and then Michael Thomas, huge news. Uh, about 15 minutes ago, he suffered a high ankle sprain yesterday against Tampa Bay. He said he's going to try to play through it, but that scares oh, the crap out of me. Yeah, I I honestly, because he is the centerpiece of their passing offense, and I know they have a lot of other good weapons for New Orleans, but I really hope that they sit him down and let him kind of get right, because high ankle sprains, it's different. They can linger a little bit longer, affect his production and such, and Alvin Kamara, he dealt with multiple things, but one of them was was the ankle sprain, and he said, like, if you looked at his... um, his his juke rate and his yards after contact and and, and eluded tackles like oh, it, it, it was off. it fell off a cliff and I know mm-hmm. he's not a I know Michael Thomas isn't you know a running back but what does he run more than anybody slants he and ran, you have yep. to have that you you have to make cuts incredibly well incredibly uh, efficiently if you're going to be running slants like that and I think it's going to really hurt his effectiveness effectiveness if if he tries to play through it so we'll talk about a receiver you can uh, add off waivers from New Orleans but. This is this is bad. This is bad for Mike, uh, Michael Thomas. I don't care if he plays through it. I, it's not good. No, I agree. I mean, you know that he's still going to see the volume and stuff like that, but his effectiveness definitely has to be called into question. Uh, he'll probably still get there week after week based off of volume alone. But, I mean, really the other side of this is he could just be rolled out there as a decoy too, which you really, really hate to see. I mean, it, with the Saints, there's one – lock set or two lock set forget things that you know is going to happen one Kamara is going to lead him on the ground he's probably going to lead them or get close to leading them in targets and Michael Thomas is going to be a stud week in and week out and if that gets called into question 
look, it's going to mean things for the Saints offense as well as Michael Thomas. Like anybody that has him on their rosters, it might get to the point where you're like, okay, do I start him? Sean Payton, you know, a lot of the times is fun with his offensive uh, play calling, but I'm pretty sure that Michael Thomas high ankle sprint happened when they ran that pitch to Kamara at the end of the game on fourth down when they could have just taken a knee and ended the game. So that definitely is a little bit more frustrating on top of the fact that he's injured because it wasn't really necessary. Um, so, yeah, we'll talk about it, but, you know, uh, I'm definitely worried if he tries to play through this uh, for sure. And then Blake Jarwin, I mean, really popular breakout candidate at tight end, non-contact injury, and uh, now Dallas has a – I mean, Dalton Schultz is their, their, their starting tight end now. They could easily – you know, bring in somebody. Maybe they bring in Delaney Walker, who maybe wants to still play or something like that. So that's something to keep an eye on. But uh, yeah, that not that's not great either. I, it's just. And then we also got news um, like two minutes ago that added that Le'Veon Bell suffered an injury on Sunday, and they're saying he's possibly he, he could be out a couple weeks. So uh, you were. On, I mean, obviously you don't hope for injuries, you don't plan on injuries, but you weren't interested in Le'Veon Bell in the first place entering the season and now it's just like somebody asked me in the discord like 10-15 minutes before we got on the podcast and they said uh Le'Veon Le'Veon they kind of asked like what's Le'Veon's value the rest of the way and I said it, it, it might be over for him like it really might be over for him yeah I mean Le'Veon we were firmly telling you to stay away from him just in general in drafts and stuff I mean the situation was worrisome enough but now you just you can't feel good about ever starting him so I mean Hamstring injuries are no joke. I mean, even if he claims that he is going to uh, try to play through it or, w- or how we see this play out, I mean, Le'Veon Bell is just, re- it's going to be really, really difficult to start him week in and week out until we get any kind of semblance of full health. But I'm with you on Jarwin. I think they could sign somebody. I honestly think that they possibly don't, though, Adam. Like, I yeah, think they that still have the plenty receiving, of guys. Yeah, well, with the receiving options that they have, they could easily just go run a ton of 11, ask mm-hmm. Schultz to block, and then you see increased targets for whether it's the running backs or somebody like CeeDee Lamb, does that give him more viability to be a week-in and week-out like wide receiver three starter moving forward? Yeah, and like CeeDee was pretty, like he had a couple, you know, bad plays in terms of like he got a couple penalties, he got a blocking penalty, but I don't care about that in fantasy. He... He's going to have some – and Dallas's offense, look, their, their offense couldn't get on the field for a lot of that first half because the Rams just destroyed them. The opening drive, they they went right down their throats with the play action, uh, Robert, Wood, Robert Woods and Malcolm Brown. So, like, their offense couldn't get on the field much, but there was going to be better days ahead for their offense, and CeeDee Lamb's going to definitely take advantage of that. And I thought Zeke – look, he talked about it a couple of days before the season started, how he's he kind of winked at one of the reporters when asked about his past, past uh, game usage this year. And he looked damn good as a pass catcher on on Sunday night. So um, yeah, I mean, it just might it might even it might just make this this passing offense even more concentrated. I know you still have three players, but if Dallas is going to be running faster, which they played fast last night, uh, that's pretty much good for everybody. Like Gallup is is a borderline starter in every format. Cooper, you're starting in every format, and obviously Zeke. But Ceedee Lamb could be, you know a guy that you drafted originally to put on your bench and, and wait and see to a guy that you could just be using as a viable flex each week because he's that damn good. Yep. Yeah. I don't disagree with any of that. All right, man, let's get to our top 10 waiver wire ads. Kick us off here, Adam. Who's the first guy you got to mention here? 
let's get it out of the way. Let's mention Naheem Hines. Um, you know, last I looked, he was 19% rostered in Yahoo leagues. That's probably going to go up to like 90% by uh, Wednesday or Tuesday. Look, before the Marlon Mack injury, he was involved. He looked really good, and he fit this Philip Rivers offense that we talk about all the time is going to feature the running backs in the passing game. I mean, you look at Philip Rivers in his final three seasons with the Chargers, he targeted the running backs 30, 27, and 23% of the time. That averages out to nearly 27% target rate for those three seasons. And then in week one, just over 37% of his targets went to the running backs. So Naeem Hines is going to have a role. Uh, he's obviously going to have a little bit of an expanded role now with Marlon Mack out, but he's the clear guy in two-minute drills. Um, not that Jonathan Taylor looked bad as a pass catcher because despite people knocking his pass catching ability in college, he looked incredible uh, on Sunday as a pass catcher. He's obviously not somebody you're going to be able to get off waivers because he's like already rostered in 90% of the leagues, but Naeem Hines isn't. And Philip Rivers, I think this offense with Frank Reich, they – I mean, I'm sure you're a huge, huge pace guy. You do a lot of the pace stuff for us at FTN. I'm sure you saw they were playing very fast. A lot of no huddle and a lot of Philip Rivers kind of changing at the line. And that's going to be good for this offense, and it's going to be good for Naheem Hines. Um, so I, I think he and Malcolm Brown, we'll talk about, are probably the two guys you go to grab at off waivers at running back before anybody else. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the call on Hines. I think that especially considering, like you're talking about with the, the sad news of Marlon Mack's injury, which I want to give some context to this as well. If you ever see on Twitter that they say an ACL or an Achilles injury is suspected, just go ahead and assume that, like, yes, that's a case. Because the on-field testing, what they do on the field to confirm or not confirm these injuries is very, very highly valid. And usually when you see that's even in the the realm of possibilities – it's usually the case, so I want to get that out of the way. But, yeah, I like the Heinz call. I, Rivers is going to check the ball down. I think that this clears up the backfield some and makes it a two-headed backfield. So Let me ask you this, because I, I, mm-hmm. I thought about this uh, when writing the stock report article, which is up at FTN right now. Are the Colts all of a sudden now like the 2018 Chargers, with Taylor being Gordon and Heinz being Eckler? Maybe not to that like extent, but you can draw really similar comparisons between the two. Um, the only difference is you could make the like. I'm interested to see where, like, how high Jonathan Taylor is for you now, because I mean, you could make the case what top ten pretty easily. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I think that Jonathan Taylor's an RB one moving forward. I think that I look. I, I have not been a, a massive Naheem Hines believer uh, previously. And, I mean, we saw him have a really good game here, but also, even when he was given some touches on the ground, he only ran for four yards per carry. I know that's not the the greatest stat in the world, but Hines, if you want to look at it like that, I I, I don't disagree as far as usage-wise. I just don't think that Hines is anywhere close to the same type of productive or elusive player that Eckler is. Yeah, I I strictly meant in terms of, like, roles. Could you put him in as, as in PPR leagues as a flex and stuff and, and feel okay about it weekly, considering if we see this usage yeah. moving forward? Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm fine he's, with that. He's an every week flex option in, in like, 12-team PPR leagues for sure. Um, and and the, the snaps were, I believe, 21-20 to 20 in favor of Taylor in the second half. But that game got weird. I mean, the Colts were – it was back and forth, and then the Colts blew a lead in the fourth, and then all of a sudden they were playing in the two-minute drill, so Taylor was on the field. That's not going to change, I don't think, but – the Colts are going to be, you know, 
an average to above average team. I would I know they lost to Jacksonville, but I still think this team is going to be like an eight win team, and that's going to put them in situations where Jonathan Taylor is going to get twenty carries. Um, you know, so I uh, I think you know both these both these uh, Colts running backs are guys you can start most weeks uh, pretty comfortably. And so moving over, a perfect transition here to talk about former Chargers backfield. Talk about your guy. Talk about your guy, man. Backfield, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Joshua Kelly. I have talked about him on previous episodes. And what did we see happen in week one? He went out and proved everything right, man. Took him one game to sit here and cement himself as the number two in this backfield. He got both of the carries inside the five. As tilting as I was playing Eckler and DFS, I was also pantsless after watching Joshua Kelly run into the end zone. 36% rushing uh, share on the ground. And now, you talked about it before we turned on the mics. Anthony Lynn was super effusive about Joshua Kelly. said that, like, if we didn't have him, we were going to win this game after week one. I think it tells you everything you need to know. This team loves Joshua Kelly. He is going to have a role in this backfield. If you go all the way back to our Bold Calls episode, I told you that this could be a backfield that could support two top 24 running backs this year. That's still definitively true. If Tyrod can get his act together and get this offense moving and they can get more times in the red zone and scoring opportunities, that can happen, man. And if you look at the schedule, oh, my God. They play Kansas City and the Panthers the next two weeks. Yeah, Joshua Kelly could be a super amazing flex-worthy player for you with upside to have so much more, 12 to 15 touches in these next two games. You need to pick him up and prioritize him on waivers because if anything happens to Eckler, oh my gosh, Joshua Kelly could be a league winner and own this backfield on a run-first team moving forward. Yeah, if if this this is a pretty loaded week for waivers, if this was like a know somewhat average to below average week like Joshua Kelly would be the top player to pick up off waivers but you know he had the Marlon Mack injury and you have Malcolm Brown who we'll talk about but yeah he uh he looked incredible uh the Chargers as a whole you know this will you'll see like Ian Harditz when we had him back a couple weeks ago on the podcast talked a lot about how uh, you'll, it's not a coincidence to see teams with mobile quarterbacks end up being really high up in, in yards before contact uh, yards created before contact, and that was kind of the case in week one. I mean, the Chargers had 155 yards before contact. It was the fourth most in the NFL so far from week one, and, you know, Tyrod wasn't really great, and he wasn't really huge as a rusher, but that's that that threat is still there, and it's going to help Joshua Kelly, who also got two of the uh, carries from inside the five-yard line, converted one, almost converted a second, and look at 12 carries in a game that was back and forth and it was competitive, we still think the Chargers are going to be a fairly competitive team. So if they're not chasing points, and there's going to be less games where they are chasing points because Tyrod has, like, the lowest interception rate in NFL history compared to Rivers, who wasn't afraid to chuck it. Like, Kelly's going to have, like, 10 to 12, you know, carries a game potentially each week. The only thing I hate about this team, and I tweeted about it, they are gross. They are a gross team in terms of pace 
And like I, I tw- like I don't want to play dudes against the Chargers. They play incredibly slow on Sunday, and they have a great pass rush, great secondary. That's a completely different point. But if this team played faster, I'd be even more excited about Joshua Kelly. But yeah, um, he needs to be rostered in pretty much every league as well, regardless if you have Eckler or not, because he's probably going to offer some standalone value. Yeah, I mean, look, I just talked about it. I love Joshua Kelly. The fact that he is sub-15% rostered, apparently more people need to be tuning into this podcast because we've been telling you for weeks to be targeting him in drafts. Like, that that number needs to go up, like, massively. All right, Adam, who's your next guy here? Yeah, let's talk about Malcolm Brown. Um, I know it might hurt you, but... Uh... <laughs> oh, it does, dude. It really, really does. Malcolm yeah. does need the love right here, but you need to spit it because you love Acres, but you're not you're not somebody that's just gonna be blind to it. Be like, yeah, nope. yeah, I, I've loved Acres all offseason, so you know Malcolm Brown, he's not gonna keep the job, and that might be true, but you're not blind to the fact that on Sunday he looked way better than Acres, and you know, give Acres a little bit of a break. I mean, it's his first start; he just looked really hesitant. Like he looked like he did not know what he was, like the second he got the carry, he didn't know like what to do. He, which you know, he's a rookie; it'll happen, but. Uh, and, and Malcolm Brown wasn't the starter. Like he didn't start the game. He comes in and just, you know, it it was hard to get away from. He was, they, they were setting up the run really well and that's up to play action. And look, he was the guy and it's hard to expect him at least going forward. And right now to not be the guy, I mean, he had 18 carries for 79 yards and a pair of touchdowns. He had both the carries from inside the five. Um, he also dominated the third down snaps, which is really impressive and, um, you know, maybe this has to do some with how Daryl Henderson is banged up, but like Henderson hasn't given them any reason to start playing him over Malcolm Brown, who they used in goal line roles last year when they had Gurley too. So it's not a surprise to see him as the goal line back here. Um, played seventy two percent of the snaps. Or sorry, that was uh, that's the wrong player I'm looking at. But yeah, he played a ton of snaps. Got you know twenty one touches and looked pretty good. I mean, he was always fighting for extra yardage. So Malcolm Brown. Um, Again, whether you have Cam Akers or not on your team, needs to be rostered in pretty much every league. And you kind of play it week by week and just see if Cam Akers starts to develop more uh, more uh, hype and, and uh, momentum. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing that kind of gives you the insight as opposed to like Brown versus Akers and the other backs on this backfield is that, I mean, Brown played 16 third down snaps compared to only one for Akers and Henderson. And it shows you that, like, the team wants a guy on the field that they trust and pass protection on those third down reps. So this backfield, like, from a touch perspective, I'm not where I mean, we've already touched on effectiveness, but from a touch perspective, it looked like an even split. It, it really comes down to can Akers show the decisiveness running behind the offensive line that I was hoping that we'd see out of him. I know there have been a lot of things in the offseason, but it really, like, with college, man, like you, you, as bad as his team was, I'm a, I'm not willing even now to draw a lot of parallels and say, okay, well he's just gonna run hesitant the whole freaking year. It's one game, people. So, I mean, like I would not be, I would hold on Acres. I would not be trading him away. I would not be cutting him. I wouldn't be doing anything ridiculous and knee jerk of that fashion. But I think with this team. Akers is still a really good pass protector. It comes down to team and what they think of it. And with an abbreviated offseason, training camps, what have you, this is a situation that's worth monitoring. Like, if Brown keeps playing good, I'm not going to tell you that he's definitively going to go away. The other side is I'm not willing to smash and and rub away Akers out of a one-game sample where the team just showed its hand 
in where they were they were playing super fast. So that also has to be given some context here. Like Cowboys are gonna they were pushing the pace and the Rams are as well. Yeah. And if that's gonna be the case, of course they're gonna lean on a veteran that knows pass protection schemes. He's a good pass protector, and that's definitely true. And as well as like I mean Akers wasn't showing a reason for them to sit here and push the, the, the lever to the other side and give him more work than Brown was getting. So I think it's going to be a firm hold. Like, even if you have Akers, pick up Brown. Like, I'm not going to tell people not to do that. And no, I'm not going to be stuck in take lock. Like, for as much as I faded Brown coming into week one and I, full transparency, I had Akers ranked as a, as a top 24 running back. I thought that he could fall in the end zone once. I thought that game was going to be a full on, like, pass fest. But it, you got to give Brown his due for what he showed in the first game. But I, I think that it's pick up Brown and hold both players because we just don't know how this is going to play out. And I, I think there's encouraging things on both sides of the coin for both backs. And I thought the Rams' offensive line played really well on Sunday night too. It was yep. one game against Dallas, and, who were missing you know Leighton Van Der Esch for the majority of the game. But they looked a lot better, uh, especially Andrew Whitworth. So definitely something to keep an eye on as well. But uh, – yeah, I'm not. I mean, I got a question about uh, like during the game when they were like, somebody asked me if they should drop K Makers. I was like, no, 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 no. God, don't do that. Not no, there's no way. That is such knee jerk, man. Like, there's no way that you need to be doing that. As well as, I'm not going to sit here and tell you not to pick on Malcolm Brown, considering what a fantastic. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Week one that he had. All right, so moving on. Next player I got to talk about here is a guy that blew up. He had a great week one. MVS, man, had a fantastic. We talked about on the game by game about that you needed to play him, that people that were leaning on Lazard as being the number two here, that they really needed some extra context. And if you have been reading my coaching profiles and you happen to scroll through the Packers one in the offseason, was that just because MVS was active last year does not mean that he was not limited. Like, after the knee sprain, if you go back and look at his target numbers, he had a healthy target share through weeks five, through week five of last season. And we saw it, man. Like, he blew up in week one. He almost had 100 yards, had a long touchdown. He ripped across, uh, apart the Vikings secondary, which we said was not a good secondary to begin with. They were overrated just because they had the Vikings name attached to him. A lot of people were going to stay away from him. And... You look at his schedule moving forward, it's pretty freaking juicy, Adam. I mean, like, we saw, like, the Packers were not afraid to throw the ball. Like, Rodgers chucked it 44 times. So, as much as there's been a lot of talk about them being a run-first team and all that kind of stuff going into this season, look, LaFleur just still let Rodgers sit back in the pocket and throw it 44 times. This week, they're going to take on a possibly depleted, and it wasn't even that good to begin with, Lions secondary. Like, Trufant and Coleman went down with hammy injuries in that week one game. They could be rolling out a starting trio of cornerbacks that, if you look at last season's numbers, all allowed a 64 or greater catch rate, all allowed one. Let me see. Let's roll down the, the, the ticker here. 
one, four, three touchdowns, uh, eight as a total, and all allow 98 or greater passing ratings in their coverage if we're talking about Akuda's out, like last week. If that continues, Trufant and Coleman, they are down their top three corners walking into week two. So NBS is a guy I'm probably going to rank above consensus walking into week two. I like him. I think that you could start him as a wide receiver three or a flex in this week. So as a guy with, we saw the volume, we saw him get the run, we saw him play last week. Yeah, I like him as a great pickup for this week on waivers. And he was their deep threat too, which is obviously enticing because you get, you know, the uh, higher upside targets. But that Detroit secondary, last year they gave up a ton of deep passing plays and it happened in week one against Mitchell freaking Trubisky, who the Bears averaged uh, 8.2 completed air yards per completion, third most of week one. Um, Like Trubisky at times, of course, looked like he was about to get benched but then when he was good he was he was thrown deep he can throw deep on Detroit and I think Aaron Rodgers is better than Mitchell Trubisky I, I'll have to double check the numbers carry the one but I think he's better than Mitchell Trubisky <laughs> so yeah <laughs> make sure you work the spot the, the short end Matt get, get your your TI-82 out and make <laughs> Make sure you hit the square button on that one. Dude, I thought he was getting benched at one point. Very, 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 very close. And then... I, I wouldn't rule it out, man. Like, I wouldn't right. rule it out. I and I tweeted like... I tweeted before the game, I was like, Anthony Miller's going for 100 touchdown. And, like, ha- halftime, I get all the... I get, like, six tweets, this didn't age well. And he finished with 74 to touchdown, so I get off my back. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look, I had him in DFS line him, so when I, <laughs> when I saw somebody on Twitter, I think it was actually you, you said, oh my gosh, Anthony Miller. <laughs> And it was a great now Miller. This is, we're going completely off topic, but Miller's snaps were a little concerning. But uh, it was more of a week one thing for us, and it, it definitely paid off. So, oh, absolutely. All right, man. Who's the next guy you got to get in there? One of my ten, I would say, just my guys from the off season. Gardner Minshew, man. Look, is he going to go nineteen of twenty with three touchdowns again? Probably not. But we talked about the appeal with Gardner Minshew and. The weird thing is, he had a really good fantasy game in the way I did not expect it to happen against the Colts. He had one incompletion. He only threw 20 passing attempts. Like, never thought that was going to be the case. Um, And, you know, he ran five times for 19 yards. He's going to continue to scramble, which is great. But, look, Jacksonville played well. They got a win. This is still going to be a bottom five team, I would expect, in the NFL. So there's going to be plenty of 45 passing attempt games coming from Gardner Minshew who's just 26% rostered on Yahoo. And look at his matchups coming up. He's got Tennessee this week, which is, you know, about a league average matchup. It's nothing crazy. It's nothing terrifying. But then he's got Miami, Cincinnati, Houston, Detroit before a bye. Some really good matchups there. Um, you know, we'll talk about another player from his team that's really given this offense another dimension. DJ Chark, you know, he didn't have to do much because they only threw the ball 20 times, but he's still a really good player. Uh, look, you're going to be... There's going to be a lot of weeks where Gardner Minshew is going to be like a top 15 play for me, uh, especially in these matchups, Miami, Cincinnati, Houston, uh, Detroit. Some really good spots for Minshew. He had a really efficient game. And look, Trevor Lawrence might not be a Jacksonville Jaguar after all. Uh, just just saying. Like, Gardner <laughs> Minshew's good. Like, he's legitimately good. Like, he's not. He played really well. Dude, like, Minshew, 19 Minshew and played, 20? Minshew played yeah. pretty good last year, too. And look. He, I think Gardner Minshew is a very solid quarterback. I, I, I think he's legitimately, like, hashtag kind of good. Um, he's not great, but 
yeah, he, he's he's dope. And look, he's going to be, like I said, he's going to be a top 15 play for me in a lot of these games. And he's uh, under 30% rostered in Yahoo right now. Well, and Minshew was also, he was amongst the top five quarterbacks and most pressured in week one. So that also needs to get added in here. Like he played immensely well. Like I watched every single minute of that game because I had a lot of Jaguars going and a lot of DJ Chark love. And I was immensely impressed with what we saw to the Jaguars week one. Like you saw a team that was hungry. They played well. Minshew was extremely composed in the pocket. I think that he could have gotten the ball rid of like maybe a few times a little bit earlier, but it's week one, man. I was extremely impressed with what I saw. But before I get my next guy in here, I want you to stay in Jacksonville and tell me about the other guy, man. Like, (laughs) I mean, we got to talk about it, man. Yo, Visca is so good. (laughs) <laughs> He's so good. Twelve percent roster in Yahoo right now. Had the had two carries. I think he's gonna like. I think he's going to get like two, three carries every week. I know James Robinson looked. By the way, James Robinson is not going to be on this list. He needs to be rostered one hundred percent of leagues. Just get that out of the way. We'll just add the hat trick for the for the Jaguars. But you know, he needs to be rostered in every league. But uh, Visca, I mean, got the two carries. He. D.D. Westbrook was a healthy scratch, and he was already the wide receiver five on the depth chart after camp. So that just told you everything you need to know about how they feel about LaVisca Chenault in practice. Adam, we talked about that. We said in the offseason that D.D. was going to have to die for Visca to live, and we saw – it happened. It happened in week one. Yeah, and look, he had four targets, which, again – People that view targets, like targets are obviously immensely important, but you also have to look at the context. LaVisca Chanel had four targets. That is a low number. The Jacksonville Jaguars threw the ball 20 times. So four targets on 20 pass attempts, not bad. And again, this team is going to have plenty of 45 pass attempt games. Uh, LaVisca had the touchdown where he looked really good, uh, You know, made a play after the catch, and just looked like a running back like we talked about. He's just a, a huge, huge athlete when it gets the ball in his hands. And, I, like, I think they're going to just figure out ways to get him seven touches a game. You know, whether it's three catches and four runs or four catches and three runs. Like, they're going to do that. And I, I just think he's really good. And outside of DJ Shark, this is a really open um, passing offense that, you know, they don't have anything really consistent at tight end. D.D. Westbrook's not a thing anymore. Chris Conley's talented, but, like, LaVisca can easily pass him. And as I said all offseason, he's probably going to be the number two pass catcher on this offense. So, dude, Jacksonville's, like, becoming my favorite team in the league for fantasy all of a sudden just because they're fun. They have a lot of dudes that are fun to root for. And um, their defense, I think Josh Allen left this game with cramps. I don't know if he returned. It doesn't sound like a serious injury, but they just keep losing guys on defense too. So that's going to help the passing options in this offense. Well, for offensive production, you, you hate to see the injuries, but you'd love to see it for off- offensive production and the passing rate. So, apparently, staying on the entirety of that, we apparently need more subscribers for this podcast. We need more listeners, because apparently not enough people are listening to the advice here, and they really, really should be. Paris Campbell, to the detriment of every fantasy GM not listening to this podcast is only rostered in 22% of Yahoo leagues, and oh my gosh, it's egregious. Paris Campbell went and showed out in week one, and if people want to talk to me about taking a victory lap, I tried to tell you all offseason! I tried, man! I so tried! 
19.5 target share percentage in week one. He led the team in targets, receptions, receiving yards. He showed out, dude. And this is not a team that's going to shy away from the run, I mean, away from the pass. Talked about it all offseason. Still, what else does Paris have to do to get into people's good graces? He is going to fight for the lead in targets on this team. Him and T.Y., week one, tied. They're not afraid to let Phillip Rivers sit back there and throw the ball. Frank Wright showed you that this week. So for all of the horrible offseason narratives about the Colts are not going to throw the ball, they're going to run the ball, they're going to run the ball, that was crap to begin with. It's crap then, it's crap now. You need to roster Paris Campbell and do it now. His schedule right now looks beautiful, Adam. They take on the blistered and beaten Vikings secondary coming up. We just saw what Aaron Rodgers did versus them. What do you think Paris Campbell is going to do? I know Mike Hughes is their best corner in the slot. He could still see time outside because Michael Pittman, for everybody's offseason love and hype, really wasn't a thing in this game. It was Hilton and it was Campbell, and they are going to lead the team in targets. I've said it, man. Pittman is going to struggle at the gate. I'm not going to tell you that he's not a good player, that you don't need to sit there and have him in Dynasty, but in redraft, he was going to be a guy that was going to struggle because of the role that he was going to play as the X receiver and asked to win outside. Paris is a speedster playing out of the slot. They get the Vikings, then they get the Jets and the Bears. These are all easily beatable secondaries. If you are not grabbing Paris Campbell and he is not one of the top three waiver priorities for you, especially if you need help at wide receiver, like I legit don't know what to tell you at this point. Like you just need to fold your league, delete the app, stop playing. Because if you don't like Paris Campbell at this point, just stop because you're going to lose. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Michael Thomas hurt. Demonte Parker's hurt. There's, there's two guys right there that you might need to find a player on waivers that can fill the void at receiver. And Paris Campbell clearly looked the part on Sunday. And um, I don't think that's changing. I really don't. Um, he, he, no, they've talked, they hyped him up all offseason about how he looks like the player they drafted a couple years ago. Um, and at the end of the day, man, you just can't teach his speed. Dude, it, it's great. And you saw him. He even had, he had some really eye popping uh, plays. Like, he had one where Phillip Rivers just floated it over towards the sideline, and he made a great catch. Like, totally just showed out as the playmaker. Like, all of the hype for last year for Paris Campbell, people need to rebuy into that for this year because it's there, dude. I think he is going to just have a great season. Uh, if anybody's talking about just the, the, the supposedly come-from-nowhere candidate to be like DJ Chark and be like a top-20 wide receiver that apparently people didn't see coming, although we've been telling you about him all offseason, it's going to be Paris Campbell. All right, so I can sit here and talk about Paris Campbell for the next 45 minutes and not even bat an eye. Adam, who's your next guy? Yeah, let's go to another receiver. Um, Traquan Smith, 1% rostered in Yahoo right now. That's sure to change. But he played more than Emmanuel Sanders on Sunday. I know Sanders got the touchdown, but he, he was he was out there more than Sanders. Now you have the Michael Thomas high ankle sprain. He expects to play through it, but we've, we've already talked about our concerns about that. And here's the thing. This is especially if you have Michael Thomas on your team, 
because they don't the Saints don't play till Monday night. He's going to be questionable all week. If you really don't want to have a situation where you you have Michael Thomas on your bench in case he does play, what you do is you pick up Traquan Smith, you put him on your bench, and you wait it out for Monday night. And if Thomas is active, you play Thomas and hope the ankle isn't too big of a too big of a an issue. And if he gets ruled out, you plug in Traquan Smith, who's obviously not going to be you know a top like twenty five receiver or anything, but you'll feel pretty pretty good about his role as the number one, maybe number two, not pass catcher on the team, but wide receiver on the team, um, if Michael Thomas does get ruled out and the matchup is solid against a Raiders team that does allow a lot of deep passing plays, and we saw it with Robbie Anderson in week one. Yeah, I like the call. I definitely like the call, especially noting that Traquan Smith, he'll probably play out of the slot, I would be guessing, but we'll see like what that, what that happens if Thomas would be out. I mean, Traquan Smith has been a guy... I, we've... we've <sighs> I've talked about him out on Twitter. He It has not been a, a, a question of talent and efficiency and effectiveness when he has been targeted. Because when he's gotten the opportunities, he's been a really, really good player. It just comes down to him getting the volume. So could this be something like if Thomas sees some time missed, Traquan Smith to sit here and, and, and grab the opportunity, just bull by the horns and run with it as a breakout year? I mean, it's in the wheel, range of possibilities, Adam. Yeah, and that that was the that's the huge thing is because over the past couple of years, like the wide receiver twos and threes on the Saints just have not been getting targets because it's been all Michael Thomas and all Alvin, Alvin Kamara. But if Thomas is going to miss some time, like Traquan Smith is going to get thrust into you know a more consistent role, and you know that's like like if I, I think if Michael Thomas is on your fantasy team, you have to pick up Traquan Smith because oh, I to. would feel. Yep. I would feel better, like, Henry Ruggs probably isn't out there in too many leagues. Brian Edwards is, but I'd feel better about, like, if you're going to Monday night, I'd feel better about playing Traquan Smith with no Michael Thomas than, you know, playing Brian Brian Edwards on, on the Raiders. Uh, so, yeah, if you if Michael Thomas is on your team, you have to go get Traquan Smith, especially given the fact that they don't play till Monday night. Well, since we're talking about it now, and I'll, I'll obviously, like, I have two more players I want to get in here as well. Uh, to round out our 10, but um, to, not to bury the lead too much, I'm uh, I'm about to discuss with everybody Scotty Miller. If you were to put these guys in order, so we've given a few receivers' names here, Adam. Um, MBS, Paris Campbell, uh, Scotty Miller, Visca, and Traquan, Traquan. Who would be your number one guy at all of this? For me, it's Paris. Yeah, it's, it's, it's Paris for me as well. Um, hey, who's number two then? Really, really close between Visca and, and MVS. Mm-hmm. Like extremely close. Who do you lean though? Don't edge. Who is it? Visca. <laughs> <laughs> I love the way you said that. <laughs> it's almost just a verbal mic drop. Like, bro, you know who this is? Come on. <laughs> it, it is close though. It is close though. No, it's really close. I can make you a case for for both of them. Absolutely. Honestly, if it's the guy, I'm going to lean on the talent a little bit more. And a team that I think we could see throwing the ball consistently week after week, I'll lean Visca too. But, man, NBS is so close right there. I mean, it's it's 2B for me. But, yeah, I agree with you. I'm with Visca. All right. Last two guys we got to get in here. So, Scotty Miller. He went and had himself a really solid game. 16% target share. Uh, only behind Godwin and targets in week one. Mike Evans did, I mean, he looked pretty healthy considering all the pregame reports. 
I, I don't, know he I don't think he was game. limited at all. No, I, I I don't think that he had a bad game at all either. I mean, he had he had to go up with Marshawn Lattimore, which is always a tough draw for yeah. any wide receiver. But he he scored the touchdown, and he also had like a forty five yard catch that would have ha- he would have had, but Marcus yeah. Williams had to interfere with him because he got beat. Oh so yeah, he like not he was going for yeah, another touchdown. Yeah, so he like he like smacked him in the in like the face and, and completely interfered with him and probably saved a potential touchdown. So that would have made his day a lot better, but. Like if you're worried about Mike Evans, I I feel good about him after that game because he wasn't limited, he didn't suffer a setback, and he always struggles against Marshall Lattimore and the Saints. Who cares? He's got the Panthers next week. You know. Yeah. Giddy I up. agree. Talking about the Panthers, they have a terrible secondary. I think they can get roasted. Um, I'm not worried about them as fast as Dante Jackson is. If we're talking about speed for speed, Scotty Miller is just as fast. I uh, and I think that he is interesting from a pickup perspective because. As good as Evans looked, we can't rule out that like we had these midweek and and practice reports and injury concerns. Didn't Godwin get hurt at the end of the game too? He like got he like landed on his head. He like landed face first. I haven't seen it on the injury reports. So I don't think it's anything too crazy, but I did see Chris Godwin uh, come off the field at the end of that game. I mean, I think that it's worth knowing that you pick, you need to consider Miller. Now we're talking about prioritizing and stuff like that. Every other wide receiver that we mentioned to this point, I would be picking them up over Miller. Um, Agreed. You know, and and that's, I mean, I, I think we're in agreement there, right, Adam? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, but I mean, I think Scotty Miller, on a team we know is going to definitively throw the ball, he had a healthy target share, even with, we're talking about, with Mike Evans looking like a full go, if anything happened to Evans or Godwin, he is going to be in that wide receiver three category weekly for you, so... He's a guy that we got to mention here, especially on a team that you got deep benches, because you just never know walking into week two what the injury reports are going to look like. Yep. And so for the tight end position, we got to at least discuss, and I know I've talked about him. I've, I've thrown possibly a little bit of shade on this podcast about talking about a 29 year old breakout tight end. But Logan Thomas is only rostered in 1% of Yahoo leagues. He played 52 of possible 70 snaps yesterday. And garnered eight targets, man, like over a 25% target share. So we're talking about adjusting and not being held in take lock. If you're hurting at the tight end position, like if you did, you did have somebody like Blake Jarwin on your team, Logan Thomas is a name that you need to keep at the back of your mind and you need to prioritize on waivers because we've seen players have like these near 30-year-old breakout seasons a la... Gary Barnage, and be on bad teams, garner a ton of targets. Barnage had a late breakout. We saw Darren Waller do it. Logan Thomas has the athletic ability. If he gets the targets, I'm not going to tell you indefinitely, like, if he gets volume, can that not happen, and he walk into a top 12 season. So he's a guy, if you got the room, if you're hurting a tight end, if you look at his schedule walking through, so they have the Cardinals, then they take on some tough matchups with the Browns and Ravens who were top 10 against tight ends last season, but then some pretty favorable matchups in some, some games that could project to be a little bit higher scoring. They take on the Rams and then the giants who were 21st and 20th against tight ends last year. So for a team, we've been preaching to you. That's going to run more plays, more passing plays, more passing volume than last year. It, I mean, look, they're going to struggle for pass catchers, uh, outside of what Antonio Gibson and McLaurin, they got to have another guy to catch passes. And I get Steven Sims has got some love, but Logan Thomas got the targets last week. 
He's a guy that needs to be picked up, man. I don't know. What are your thoughts on Thomas? I have a question for you. Okay. Logan Thomas, like you said, 1% roster, so he's widely out there. Today, are you dropping Rob Gronkowski for Logan Thomas? Because I think I am. I, dude, Gronk is probably like six in the pecking order right now. Like, O.J. Howard played as like a lot on Sunday. So did uh, Gronk did, too. Yeah. He played well, 80% of the snaps, right? Yeah, but... Uh... I will say, though, I watched... And for anybody that is not aware, I am a huge Saints fan on Dying Homer. I drop all of that whenever it comes down to the analysis for this podcast. But I watched every single second of that game... And I will definitely agree with you. Gronk looked like he was lumbering when he caught the ball. So yeah, for Logan it's crazy Thomas. to sound the upside play is Logan Thomas here because whether you want to talk about volume, you want to talk about snaps, you want to talk about all these different things, as insane as that sounds, that people are probably going to be in my mentions and DMs after this show comes out. Yeah. I'm with you. I think Logan Thomas over Gronk is probably the call. Yeah. Uh, yeah and then one you. more thing before we get out of here. He's he didn't make the cut for this because he's 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 rostered in in too many leagues already. But he's not he's not 100 percent rostered, and he's a place tight end. If he's out there, go get Dallas Goddard. They run a ton of twelve. His target share is is definitively there. Like he is going to be penciled in for five plus targets a week. A week. All right, so everybody, uh, you need to be subscribed to this podcast. Adam and I got two more episodes this week. We will be back later this week to tell you our trade four players. So we're going to give you four guys that you need to get on or off your teams before week two kicks off, as well as the fantastic money-making DFS game-by-game breakdown that we're going to give you before the week closes and to walk into the weekend. Get subscribed to the podcast. For Fade the Chalk, we are out. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Fade the Chalk with Derek and Adam. Make sure to follow your hosts and the podcast on Twitter at DBRO underscore FFB at APFIFER24 and at Chalk Fade. Smash that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode.